This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about spinach. Yes! Oh. <laughs> I love spinach. I yeah? love spinach. Yes. Oh, even as a kid, I loved it. We used to eat creamed spinach. Oh, um, uh-huh. and my dad, he loved it so much. It makes me nostalgic for him. And in fact, um, this weekend, there was a winter storm mm-hmm. um, and in Atlanta, in the South in general, that means everyone's panic buying everything at the grocery store. Uh-huh. And I was at the grocery store and I saw... The old cream spinach we used to get. I oh. almost bought it, but I didn't. <laughs> I should have. I should have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, when I was uh, in college, my roommate and I would make the journey, the 20 minute journey from our university to your DeKalb farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And I would buy just these bunches of fresh spinach and I would just eat it raw. Um, huh. However, a few years back, I had to do this bland diet to test for food allergies. And according to some data I collected during that, spinach may aggravate my thyroid. Huh. All right. Well. Yeah. It was like a temperature-based. There was a lot of things going on. But the day after I tried spinach, my temperature dropped by like four points. Oh, wow. I guess means it's a thyroid. It's a thyroid thing. issue? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Wow. I've never done yeah. one of those. That's, ooh. 
Oh, oh dear. I wouldn't like that. <laughs> I wouldn't like no. being presented with data about what I already know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. oh, you shouldn't need anything, Lauren. Oh, cool. That's great. <laughs> great. <laughs> My body wasn't made for food. Like, what? Like, <laughs> Spinach was the only one I had of like the many, many things. Yeah. And even that, it was still kind of like, you'll be fine, but just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I love spinach as well. Um, Some of my favorite dishes certainly involve spinach. Like, I'm not actually a fan of of eating spinach raw. Like, the the texture kind of itches my teeth. Mm Mm-hmm. Or makes my teeth itchy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a hand gesture going on like a sock puppet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but no, no. Some, some of my favorite dishes definitely involve spinach, um, uh, spanakopita, um, gome spinach, which is um, a Japanese dish with sesame. So good. Um, I'm a real big sucker for a good Florentine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I do keep a bag of um, like frozen cut spinach in my freezer to add to ramen which I find Ooh. delightful. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like a really big adult because I buy, like, the fancy ramen that costs, like, 49 cents, maybe $1.29. Oh. Yeah. And then I put frozen vegetables in it, and I'm like, look at me eating food. <laughs> Such a pro. <laughs> Such a pro. <laughs> Sometimes I put an egg in there. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That is pretty fancy, and it sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I highly recommend everyone try that, by the way. But um, but at any rate, uh, spinach. Yes. Does this bring us to our question? I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> spinach. What is it? Well, uh, spinach is a type of green leaf used as a vegetable, uh, fairly tender in texture and mild in flavor. It can be eaten raw or cooked, and it's uh, it's good at letting other delicate flavors stand out or, or can be like sort of like a good like neutral base for strong flavors. It's sort of like um, it's like the like the soda water of the leafy green world. Um, like it's like it's interesting. It has a texture. But it really shines as a base for other flavors. Once again, another great description, Lauren. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Botanical name, uh, Spinacea oleracea. Spinach is an annual plant, meaning it has to be replanted for every crop. Uh, Temperate climates can usually do two per year with one harvest in the spring and one in the fall uh, because it does grow quickly and pretty prolifically. Uh, Yes, that's the word, in, in cool Weather, cool weather crop. Yeah. Um, you grow it from seed or maybe like a seedling if you're a home gardener. The plant will sprout leaves from a from a central point that then kind of fall outward in this loose rosette, uh, like a like a blooming onion in slow motion. Yeah. Um, and then you can harvest the leaves um in your garden, like more or less individually, as they get to whatever size you decide is right. Um, uh, like in small bunches, you know, as they mature. Um, commercially though, the whole plant is usually harvested at once by hand for fresh bunches of spinach, like Annie was buying, or by machine for spinach that's gonna be frozen or canned or otherwise processed. Uh, when you let it grow, it will produce a central stem with these wee little yellow-green flower clusters that produce wee little yellow-green fruit that contain the seeds. But generally, if you're doing it as a vegetable and not as a seed crop, then you'd want to catch it before then. 
The leaves are a deep green, usually not glossy, and usually oval in shape. Some varieties do have pointier pronged leaves. Some have red-purple stems and veins, but, you know, you're so different, different varieties, yeah. Uh, the leaf surface can be crinkly or smooth, and they can grow up to about um, uh, 12 by 6 inches, the leaves. That's 30 by 15 centimeters or so, but are commonly like half to a quarter of that size. I feel like I usually see them pretty small. When eaten fresh, the texture is is soft and planty, um, like like tenderly structural, like the mm-hmm. like the freshest, most delicate slice of styrofoam. Yeah, I think you like bite into it, and you can see yeah the yellow where you've been in. Yeah, weird little plant <laughs> structure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the flavor is a little green, vegetal, and savory, bitter, and mineral sort of. Um, and and when cooked, the leaves go slippy, soft in texture, and a little bit of sweetness comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, they are used fresh in salads and uh, cooked either on their own as a side with whatever kind of flavoring. Um, or incorporated into all kinds of dishes, soups and stews and sauces as part of a filling for dumplings and baked pastas and casseroles and egg dishes and savory pastries. Just really versatile because um, it adds this this soft chew, this sort of right like structural component that can balance and stretch and cut strong flavors and more expensive ingredients like your heavy cream or salty cheese or ground pork or, or sesame. And add a and add a hit of color because spinach does tend to stay pretty bright green when it's cooked. Oh, so many different cravings are happening for me right now. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yes. Okay. Well, what about the nutrition? <laughs> uh, spinach has a good punch of fiber and a spread of vitamins and minerals and other micronutrients. So it'll help fill you up. Um, uh, and it's got, you know, good stuff that your body needs. Uh, it's got a little bit of protein, but not much fat to speak of. So to keep you going, um, it's best to pair it with a little bit of both of those to 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 help help you out there. And ironically... Sorry, not sorry. Um, the iron in spinach is not easily absorbed by our bodies. So pair it with some citrus to help you out with that. Um, good squeeze of lemon juice pretty much always improves everything, according to me. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> and random fact related to that, wild spinaches in Iran that are closer to what spinach was like before it was cultivated do have 3.5 to 4 times as much iron in them. Oh, that is interesting. Um, and we're going to be returning to this whole iron thing. And yes. And got attached to spinach, which I is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just weird misplaced propaganda. Yes. And I yes. think y'all can probably guess from whence it came. Um, but right, we will get into that in the history section. In the meanwhile, we do have some numbers for you. Yes, we do. Uh, China is the world's largest producer of spinach, accounting for about 85%, followed by the U.S. And Turkey and Japan, but it is grown all over the world, and we humans grow a lot of it. Um, China grows billions of metric tons per year. Um, The three followers up all do like 300,000 metric tons a year. It's a bunch. Uh, oh, I didn't even yeah. mean that one. Oh, hey. goodness. <laughs> I've been hanging the out with you too long. <laughs> oh, never enough. That's what I say. 
<laughs> in 2016, the spinach industry was valued at around $18 billion. Huh. Okay. Uh, up to about 80% of what's grown in developed countries is processed into canned or frozen foods, or was in the late 20th century anyway. That's the latest number I could find for it. Yeah, and I found this statistic, which I found interesting. The average American eats about three pounds of spinach annually, or about 1.4 kilos. And because spinach is so light, I'm having trouble grasping whether I think that's more than I thought or less than I thought. I guess just because it's in so many different things, like... Yeah, yeah. It makes sense to me, but right, it is one of those things that when, when I'm at a salad bar and and your food is going to be priced by weight, I'm always like, ooh, I'm going to get the spinach. Look at me being bougie. <laughs> right? <laughs> You've outsmarted the system. <laughs> mm. Goodness. <laughs> um, uh, there is, though, a spinach-eating contest in Massachusetts, or there was in the uh, 20 aughts. The record for this contest in 2009, flying in the face of the three pounds of spinach annually consumed by the average American, was seven and a half pounds in five minutes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that ended well is all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, photographs from the event are gnarly. Uh, <laughs> I bet they are. At any rate, uh, it, it, it is cooked spinach, not raw spinach, if that makes a difference yeah, to anyone. Okay. I think it had garlic in it as well, but okay, at any mm, rate. Um, okay. I did find two annual spinach festivals in the United States, one in Crystal City, Texas, and one in Lenexa, Kansas. Both have cooking contests. Lenexa's features a dessert category. The Ooh. 2021 winner was this spinach and strawberry pie that had spinach in the crumb crust and also um, some spinach in the – there was like a like a custard layer with cream cheese and, uh, and then mm. a strawberry layer on top that also had some spinach in it. Fascinating. Anyway. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because, as you said, the citrus helps with the iron. I just – I find it interesting when certain ingredients get – I don't know, put together a lot. And spinach and strawberry, for me, I've seen quite a bit. Yeah, in salads, it's quite common, sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The Lenexa Festival also has the, in heavy scare quotes, world's largest spinach salad. I could not find any further data about this. Listeners, <laughs> please write in. Um, yes. Crystal City has a pageant and also a spinach eating contest. Only, yes. the, only the first 15 entrants are, are are allowed in, though. That's it. They cap it at 15. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. You've got to have standards. You do. You've got to have standards. <laughs> um, and actually, Crystal City plays a part in the history of spinach. It does. And we are going to get into that history as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. 
Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip together. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, most historians believe that spinach originated in Persia or modern-day Iran or maybe southwestern Asia, maybe multiple places. <laughs> that, that generalized area. Yeah, yeah. But this is particularly interesting because spinach doesn't typically do well in hot weather. Um, However, records suggest that by the 8th century, Arab agriculturalists had figured out sophisticated irrigation methods in order to grow this crop. The first known written references to spinach came out of Persia from somewhere in between 226 to 640 CE. Arab traders carried spinach along their trade routes to India and China, Records show spinach was present in China in 647 CE by way of Nepal, where it was and still is called the Persian green. Huh. Listeners, let us know. Yeah. Yes. The first written evidence of spinach in the Mediterranean came from three works out of the 10th century CE, um, two agricultural treatises and a medical book. By 1100 CE, spinach was being grown in Spain, most likely also introduced by Arab traders in various conquests. Um, One well-known Arab agriculturalist wrote that Spain was the, quote, capital of leafy greens, or perhaps that spinach was the prince or chieftain 
of leafy greens. Okay. <laughs> a lot of translations. Sure. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Spinach spread throughout Europe from there, and it was adopted as a fairly popular springtime crop, and it appeared in one of the first known English cookbooks compiled in 1390, though other sources suggest it first appeared in an anonymous cookbook published in Nuremberg in 1485. Mm. Mm. Spinach was present in Asia Minor by the 13th century, often served with meat and doused in a garlic yogurt sauce. Ooh, Sounds into that. pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. The Italians were big promoters of spinach by this time as well, and it was a favored crop by the 13th century in that area. In Venice particularly, they incorporated Muslim flavoring styles and techniques in the cooking of spinach, um, and it was also widely celebrated for its perceived medicinal benefits. In one popularly told story, when Catherine de Medici married King Henry II of France in 1533, she told him of her love of spinach and decreed any dish made with it be called a la Florentine, <laughs> in reference to where she was from, which oh. if that's true, that's so good. <laughs> what a probably untrue but great legend. I know. <laughs> I love it. I would love to have the guts to tell somebody you're going to have to call it this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like this stuff so much that you have to mention where I'm from every time you talk about it. Yes. <laughs> um, by some accounts, spinach was first planted in England in 1568, and it was a popular vegetable choice for the wealthy. However, others postulate the English really didn't think much of it, um, pointing to its absence from the first English cookbook. Um, that was, It's a whole cookbook on salad, everybody, and I oh. love it. I loved it. Um, but anyway, it was published in the 17th century, and though the author thought spinach might be fine for the sick if boiled and served with lemon juice and butter, it really didn't appear outside of that. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. By the 15th century, spinach was a popular vegetable in Provence, France, and was mentioned frequently as a garden vegetable crop. English philosopher John Locke described a spinach and herb soup he had while in southern France in the 17th century. That also sounds very also, good to me. Yeah. <laughs> hmm Spanish colonists brought spinach with them to the Americas. English settler and governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony, John Winthrop Jr. purchased spinach seeds in 1631, and it was a staple in colonial gardens within that century. Um, Thomas Jefferson planted spinach at his home in Monticello by 1774, and George Washington's gardeners were growing it at Mount Vernon in 1798. After it debuted in seed catalogs in 1806, it was a popular crop in much of the United States. Plant geneticists started really experimenting with spinach and spinach hybrids in the 20th century, looking to improve disease resistance and increase the time before these plants flowered. However, the reputation wasn't great in early 20th century America when it came to spinach. Okay. (laughs) Okay. A famous New Yorker cartoon published in 1928 demonstrated the mood around spinach. Um, It depicted a woman and a young girl at a table with the woman saying, it's broccoli, dear, and the young girl responding, I say it's spinach, and I say to hell with it. (laughs) Wow. Spicy. Right? New Yorker. Okay. Goodness. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay, but... 
Spinach's history was forever altered in the U.S. when it went commercial in the 1930s. The most famous example, of course, being the Popeye the Sailor Man cartoon that premiered in 1933 based on the comic strip created by E.C. Seeger in 1929. Popeye's catchphrase was, I'm strong to the finish because I eat me spinach. (laughs) Part of the song, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's funny because I didn't really watch Popeye, but I just have these, like, very strong visuals and sounds associated with it. And I think that is a testament to how popular it was. Yeah, it's very culturally ingrained. Uh, There was, of course, later the the live-action film with Robin Williams in the titular role. But What?! You that is know news to me. I have never heard of that. No. <laughs> okay. Well, it. I'm nearly positive that it happened and that that's not some sort of fever dream of mine. Um, <laughs> nearly positive that occurred in the early 80s. Uh, but, wow. but yeah, yeah. Um, I, oh, I did watch the cartoon a lot when I was a kid. So. Yeah. I mean, my dad certainly loved it. Uh, and he was kind of a, a child of nearabouts this time mm-hmm. um and i know it was always kind of strange to me as a kid when i finally got to go to universal studios <laughs> there's that whole section of the park that's like based on pop yeah <laughs> yeah well the point being <laughs> it had a huge impact um And Popeye was often depicted gulping down a can of spinach to get a burst of strength, stamina, and bulging arm muscles. Very bulging, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes. At the time, the nutrition of children was a major concern, including anemia and iron deficiency, which was pretty common, and spinach was believed to have a lot of iron. However, it turns out that this belief was based on an 1870 transcription error when a German scientist named E. von Wolf was translating a study on spinach and accidentally misplaced a comma. Uh, Yeah, commas being used in the decimal system in Europe instead of periods. Yeah. Right. So this mistake multiplied spinach's iron content by 10 times. Ah, mm -hmm. Yes. By the time the mistake was discovered in 1937... It was too late. The belief had set in and been accepted as fact. By some estimates, Popeye (laughs) increased American spinach consumption by over 30%. Huh. This cartoon got people to eat their vegetables. It really did. Huh. I it really did. There you go. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Also, around this time in the 1930s, Clarence Birdseye, and yes, that one, see our Frozen Food episode for more, uh, debuted his first frozen food offerings, and spinach was in the lineup. And then, in 1936, Crystal City, Texas, declared itself the spinach capital of the world and launched their annual spinach festival. With the blessing of the Popeye comic strip creator, E.C. Seeger, the town erected a statue of the character, and a few years after that, Del Monte set up a processing plant there. But okay. The intrigue is not over, Lauren. Ha ha Yes, <laughs> because Alma, Arkansas declared that they were in fact the spinach capital of the world in 1986. Oh. Mm-hmm. Alma was the home of Allen's Vegetables, a company that was behind over half of spinach processing in the U.S. at the time. They, too, have an annual festival and a Popeye statue and 
a water tower that has spinach on it, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, goodness. I did not I did not run across their event. Maybe it wasn't coming up in Google search due to pandemic shenanigans or mm-hmm. something like that. Maybe I didn't dig deep enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alma, Arkansas. I didn't mean to slight you. No, never. We don't want to get in on this spinach beef. Yeah. However, listeners, if you've been, oh, <laughs> we got to know about it. Yes. Oh, we literally always want to hear about food festivals, food-related mm-hmm. festivals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but so all all of that spinach beef aside, uh, I've I've got I've got one for you from 2021 because last year researchers at MIT announced that they had taught spinach to send emails when it finds bombs. Excuse me. <laughs> What? <laughs> All right, let me let me unpack that for you. Please. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, as 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 plants like spinach go through their daily process of of planting, of just you know being planty, yeah, they mm-hmm. soak up water and stuff in the water um, through their roots and deliver it up through their stems into their leaves and and distribute it to all of their cells there, yeah. Uh, plants use the water and the stuff, like nitrogen and iron, to live and to grow, and even sometimes to make decisions about how to live and grow. Like, on a DNA level, when a plant receives data from the water that it's sampling from the ground, if it, say, receives a certain compound or doesn't receive a certain compound or gets more or less water than it's expecting, um, it might, I don't know, uh, grow fewer leaves or start to flower or something like that. Plants are learning from their environment in this way all the time. So, Starting a few years back, the researchers at MIT were looking at this system and thought, what if we could code plants to notice other things about their environment and then tell us about it? So they embedded these carbon nanotubes that are wrapped with these special polymers on them um, into the leaves and the plants. They just sort of like painted a solution containing the the, the, the nanotubes onto the, the bottom of the plant leaves. And these nanotubes emit a constant fluorescence under laser light. This is important later. Uh, the polymers on the nanotubes, meanwhile, emit a fluorescence only when they have encountered certain compounds. And in this case, certain compounds that are used in landmines. So these researchers set up uh, set up the spinach plant um, and a laser to point at the plant and a camera to watch the plant. And they connect the camera to this tiny computer. And when the computer detects a difference in the usual fluorescence that the nanotubes are sending out, meaning that the polymers are fluorescing, so when it detects this difference, it sends an email to the team letting them know that this landmine compound has been detected by the spinach. <laughs> what a world. <laughs> spinach sending emails. <laughs> Sentient spinach. Is that something I need to be concerned about, Lauren? No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this is great. Uh, yeah. and they, they say that they used spinach because like, it's pretty common, but it's also relatively 
finicky compared with like common lab plants. Yeah. And, and they wanted to mm. show how versatile the technology really is, that it can be used in something as common as spinach. Um, and they're hoping that these, I mean, you know, like detecting landmines is pretty cool, right? But um, but they are also hoping that similar sensors could eventually help uh, botanists and farmers and other researchers monitor the health of plants in the field, you know, like literally. Um, and, and thus sort of min-max growth and crop yield in different plants. So... Wow. Wow, you really never can tell where these episodes are going to go. You really can't. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to read so much about carbon nanotubes probably ever again. Uh, certainly not for <laughs> certainly not for the food show. Like I thought surely after we stopped doing the forward thinking podcast, I I mm. wouldn't have this much reading about Oh, you know. Oh my gosh. Now I want the the movie that is like the, the spinach sending you emails. <laughs> At first it's only about like, you know, I'm detecting something weird and then it's like, "Hey, you up? You doing okay?" <laughs> and you build a relationship with the spinach and they start traveling together and the spinach helps keep you safe <laughs> by telling you <laughs> About any fluctuations you should be concerned about, but there's a real friendship. Yeah, a bond. yeah, yeah. Mm. Is is this like oh. a is this like a buddy comedy about, or is or is this like a drama? I'm envisioning like zombie apocalypse. Level. Oh, of course you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where where the spinach is like, hey, mm, I'm a little worried about these readings. Yeah, <laughs> and then the the scientist is like, bah, you're just spinach. But then. <laughs> <laughs> they they have to come and meet each other at each other's level. Oh my goodness. But then a zombie tries to eat the spinach and the zombie can send emails now too. Oh no. Oh no. Mm. Hey, this is the poor spinach. My friend the yes. spinach just got eaten. Yes. And mm -hmm. B, oh now the zombie can send emails. Yes, and it just says brains. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something here. <laughs> yeah, def there's definitely. I we're just giving these away for free, man. I know. Oh, well, the scientist on this experiment, please write in. Let us know <laughs> if there was a bond that was formed <laughs> with the spinach. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my heck. If. If anyone who is working in any of these experiments is listening to this show right now, please let us know. Your work is so yes. cool. It is. <laughs> it's given us much joy and yes. happiness. <laughs> yes. Really cool. Oh heck. Um uh I will I will say something I could not I really tried to and I could not track down the like genesis of spinach dip oh uh-huh i was trying mm -hmm. and i think i've tried before because i had a bunch of i had a bunch of like you've definitely already been to this website that is still right. not very helpful um i think what had happened is that possibly possibly either a seasoning brand or a mayo brand or a sour cream brand or a frozen spinach brand or all of the above like got together possibly and like cross-marketed 
their products yeah. by providing a recipe on the labels. And it just went from there, like, into the zeitgeist of the 50s and 60s and became a whole thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would second that guess. I think that's probably exactly what happened. Um, which is amazing how many things that we kind of take for granted now that we're essentially just a company coming yeah. together with another company to sell something. <laughs> yeah, just lots of marketing ploys. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. cool. Sure. I mean, got to talk about cartoons and <laughs> emails and this one alone. So, <laughs> but I guess that's what we have to say about spinach for now. It is. Uh, however, speaking of emails, we do have some listener mail for you. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Popeye's got like a weird pirate accent. Kind of yeah. like rough sailor. He's got that sailor thing. thing. Yeah. I cannot mm. do an, an impersonation of that. I was just going like, no, can I? And then I was like, certainly not. Let's not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. So it was a vague approximation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so Rose sent us a bunch of Kit Kats. Woo! Thank you very much, yes. Rose. And wrote, my favorite one of the bunch I sent is the Mont Blanc. It is a Kit Kat flavor based on a dessert by the same name. It is a simple chestnut or sponge cake base piled high like a mountain with whipped cream and then drizzled with thin ropes that look like vermicelli noodles of creamed chestnut paste. The whole thing is topped off with a glazed chestnut. I love this dessert as it is popular throughout Europe as well as Japan and South Korea. Not sure about other Asian countries. In Japan, I have seen the chestnut replaced with matcha, red bean, or sweet potato, even purple sweet potato. Mm. Of course, I have tasted them all and they are yummy. This past Thanksgiving, in lieu of the traditional Thanksgiving desserts, I know, I know, I always (laughs) use it as an opportunity to introduce my in-laws and friends to the desserts I love or grew up with. One year, I made what amounts to a Dutch creme brulee pie, and yep, this past year was Mont Blanc. Aww. I've never heard of that. I don't think I have either. But that does sound delicious. I love a pile of whipped cream. Oh, me too. Um, and also, the packaging on these Kit Kats is just spectacular. Always. Yes, and I really do love looking at them, especially if there's no English involved, and mm-hmm. trying to guess what the heck what <laughs> flavor is. And I think the Mont Blanc one showed, like, a patisserie window. Okay. Um, and it looked lovely, but I was just staring at it, like, what does this mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, heck. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's again, like, like, y'all, like, like, you, you, you do not need to buy our love with Kit Kats, no. but it certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, we are big uh, lovers of Kit Kats at Saver. Um, and we're going to do kind of a, hopefully, uh, we're going to be able to do kind of a socially distanced get together thing soon. And I will share the Kit Kats. I promise. I believe you. It will you. be distributed evenly. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes. Well, I've got my yes. eye on you, Reese. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Annie um Annie got over to the office recently and I I hadn't been by there in a while, so she she picked up that and a couple other listeners I think sent things and so yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to do a going to do a, a safe meetup sometime soon here. Yes. Uh, in the meanwhile, Valerie wrote Hi, I was listening to an episode of a podcast called Past Present that talked about the ethnic food aisle at the grocery store. I was going to suggest this as a savor topic, but actually the Past Present did such a nice job of it. I wondered if you could contact them and get permission to just simply play the episode. I figure it would be an episode that is uh, nearly no work for for you and Lauren, Annie, um, and it would get new listeners for the Past Present podcast. And it would be interesting to the listeners, so a win all around. Uh, I have no idea whether that's something you or the folks at Past Present would want to do. But uh, also this morning, I heard an episode of the Weird Science podcast where they talked about how the astronauts are successfully growing peppers on the International Space Station, which is a first step toward people being able to stay longer in space. They talked about how the peppers stick straight out from the plant instead of hanging down. 
um, and pollination and how they harvest the peppers and then they float away and have to be caught. I thought that an episode about these early beginnings of agriculture in space would be an interesting topic and also the question of what food they normally eat on the ISS. But again, the episode of their podcast was pretty interesting already, so maybe it could be a guest episode too. Ooh. Well, <sighs> first of all, Lauren, I think you said weird science <laughs> instead of wired science. Oh. But either. <laughs> Why? Fine. Oh, I'm so sorry. I did I did indeed <laughs> say weird science. My deep apologies to the wired science podcast. Yes. But you do cover a lot of weird science on Wired Science. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. That, I, you know, we love space. Um, oh, yeah. I am really interested by, this. there's been a lot of news about that lately of them. Yeah. Um, peppers in space. And yeah. salads in space. And how yeah. the astronauts are, are always, to a person, just so delighted to have a fresh vegetable. They're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, and I love this. I just hadn't thought about that of how the the plant would grow differently, not hanging. But yeah, sure. yeah, that's fascinating. Man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I I am always. I mean, a I always want to be. I always want to like. I always go down the ethnic food aisle in any grocery store because I'm partially just tickled by what they consider to be ethnic. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. And usually that's where the food that I want to buy is anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it, it is it is a super interesting topic. Um, I'm I you know, I don't know, like we can we can um, see if we can reach out. Uh, and there's there's all kinds of we are merely part of a larger machine of podcasting. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. but but for sure, y'all um, go listen to past, present and wired science. Mm-hmm. Those two things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're always happy to to support and uplift and find new stuff. And oh, goodness. Yeah. Can do exchanges and all kinds of uh, other things. As Lauren says, we're kind of merely the pawns of this <laughs> podcast game. No, 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 no. But um, <laughs> yes, thank you for bringing those, those episodes, those podcasts to our attention. Yeah. And thanks to both of you for writing. If you would like to write to us listeners, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. 
when you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.